The young lad said, help me, I've been, I was kidnapped and called the police. And uh, it was hard to understand him. I mean, he was pretty shook up. And he had uh, tuck tape on his uh, hoodie. And he said he'd been hooded, so he didn't know where he was. He couldn't see because he didn't have his glasses. The poor guy was pretty shook up. He had a cut in his uh, leg through his pants. So I got him into the house right away, and police showed up within five minutes. That is the voice of the man who would end up finding 22-year-old Chinese national uh, Wajen Lu, who uh, is safe. And he was found in Gravenhurst, of all places, after three days. But th- this is one of the strangest headlines we've seen in a while. Um, and-, and good news that he was found okay. I'm not sure we've heard the whole story yet. I'm not sure where the story is going to go. But it does seem almost impossible to believe. Because if you look at the initial case, this happened three days ago on a Saturday. You know, this man was kidnapped with pretty much brute force from from four men in the parking lot of his Markham condo. And then he was apparently held for 72 hours and then ended up in Gravenhurst where he knocked at this guy's door asking for help. But this is a guy who has money, clearly. Witnesses say, you know, he's got expensive cars, got a Lamborghini, he's got a Rolls Royce. And yet we have not heard any calls for ransom. No demands. We don't know what the motive is. We know that police are still investigating. So, look, uh, I, where does it go from here? I mean, they had someone in custody. They found someone, and if they released that person. But where does this go now? Let's ask someone who would uh, probably know more than most of us. Dave Perry, former homicide cop with Toronto Police and now Global News Radio crime expert. Hello there. Hi, Alex. How are you doing? Well, I'm I'm puzzled. I think a lot of people are are quite puzzled. And and good news, this this young guy is is okay. But you can't help thinking in this day and age after hearing the whole Smollett thing, uh, you know, the Jesse Smollett thing. Like, is this is this sound like it's a legitimate kidnapping to you? You know, it does. And the police don't have any choice at this point than than to treat it any other way. As a legitimate kidnapping, there is an awful lot of evidence, including all the the things we've seen in the media since the kidnapping with the four suspects, the stolen van, stolen plates, an awful lot of evidence to show that, in fact, an abduction did happen. So unless and until they prove otherwise, they have no other way to proceed but exactly how they are. They're treating this as a valid uh, abduction, and and I I believe that it is, Mm -hmm. just based on what we've seen so far. Because we can talk about that, Alex. We can talk about what a staged crime scene looks like and what a real crime scene looks like. And Jesse Smollett, that hit some of the earmarks of a staged crime scene. And it's going to impact how we as the public right across North America view new crime scenes like this one. But then there are the earmarks of a real crime scene that scream out on this one. That doesn't mean that something in between hasn't happened, but it certainly has all the hallmark of a, of a true abduction and most likely for some kind of financial gain. Right. And so we go we go back a few days. The actual call comes in. There's lots of surveillance videos showing the images of, of the, the suspects uh, tasing the guy, taking him in what appears to be a pretty uh, blunt and brut- brutal attack. Um, and, and since then, there were no calls for demands. And no ransom, to, to our knowledge, or would police not tell us that? I mean, they say they didn't get any calls, but is that something that they may have gotten and wouldn't have told us? 
Well, if they said they didn't get any calls, that's one thing. But if they did get calls, it wouldn't surprise me at all that they didn't share that with the public whatsoever. I've been involved in ransom cases in the past. Most of them do for whatever reason. It's what we call a cultural crime. It's something that seems to impact the Chinese community more than it does any other community. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, go back to 2003 when this poor girl named Cecilia Zhang was mm-hmm abducted in the middle of the night out of her house, which was an obvious break and enter at the time. It was clear to me, I was the officer in charge of the case from minute one, and it was clear to me that we had a cultural crime at that time, that she wasn't abducted as in other cases where little girls were abducted for a sexual purpose, right. that it was it was more likely for ransom. We never did receive a ransom, although there was evidence of hang-up phone calls in the middle of the night to her poor mother's cell phone that we always believed were probably attempts by by the abductor to perhaps tender a ransom. But for whatever reason, our theory was he chickened out. And and then, of course, uh, it led to her death and right. it led to her discovery of her body many months later. Yeah, it, so, took, it took a long time for that one to come through. But again, what, what would have been, I mean... You look at this young man, obviously he's got money. He's driving around in some pretty flashy cars, lives in a a beautiful condo. And so right then and there, he becomes a target. Somebody targeted him. There's no question. You know, whether it was the four individuals that we've seen in the security video that are the, let's say, the the brains or the lack thereof Mm. behind this crime is, is still yet to be determined. But they're clearly the ones that forcibly abducted him, tasered him shocked him and violently took him away in front of his girlfriend. So there's lots there for the police to work on. Well, clearly, they didn't even think that there was a camera. Did they not realize that there's cameras all over apartment buildings? Like They clearly didn't even think that their vehicle them, themselves would be would be seen. Yeah, very good point. So let's talk about what looks real in this. The, the fact that they did use a, a stolen van with mm-hmm. stolen plates and the fact that they, as best they could, and we don't catch criminals because they're smart, <laughs> Um, they did their best to cover up their faces, but at least there was somewhat of a description of these four people. Some of them, their clothing was very unique. You know, all the classic mistakes that uh, that criminals typically make that can lead to their identification. So here's the here's the good news. As you said, uh, I was starting to, to think within 24 hours of this that this this young man wasn't going to be found alive. Mm. So thank thankfully he was. So somewhere along the line, whatever happened, and he's the only one that might be able to fill in those blanks, these uh, these four people decide to release him relatively unharmed. Uh, so now there's lots to work on. You have the girlfriend who witnessed it. You uh, have everything that we got on the security uh, video, including the fact that the car has been recovered, the van has been recovered, and now they have the victim back. And I, I would think with all of that information, that there's a realistic uh, opportunity here for the York Regional Police to solve this. Yeah, and they did have one suspect uh, that they had brought in for questioning. Um, I don't know who that is or what the connection might be to this case, but clearly they've spoken to somebody. They did, and that's probably something that came through either a tip or some kind of forensics that they got back from the van. So somebody has been spoken to, somebody has been cleared, and and uh, before I knew that this person had been cleared, the arrested person, I, I started hearing that they were looking for, still looking for four suspects, and it made me wonder out loud, was there a fifth person? But now it's pretty clear that they don't have any focus on the, the initial person that they, they brought in for questioning. Right, okay. And so then, how, how long when you're questioning a, a suspect or someone, and so he's not a suspect in this case, but let's say, uh, you know, you're, you're interviewing this young man, how long 
would you be, um, you know, questioning him before you think, okay, something's not up here? Will they continually, repeatedly question him? If they need to, but who knows, uh, Alex, that's the million-dollar question. They, they may have gotten everything from that person that they need at this point. And, uh, you know, whenever we sit down and interview somebody, whether they're a suspect or a subject, uh, the first thing we want to do is, is give them the opportunity to talk. And they, they've got to either rule themselves in or rule themselves out of the investigation. And it would appear, at least to this point, the person they had under arrest was uh, successful in convincing the police that, for now, they're they're not part of the uh, of the abduction and they've been released. So there's still these four outstanding people. But uh, you know, I w- I would feel quite pleased even at this late hour to to walk in and and have a look at this investigation again. There's lots to work with now. The the crime scene, the girlfriend who witnessed it, and now the the victim himself. So they should be able to start filling in some blanks pretty quickly and hopefully get onto this. What what the big uh, question will be again is were these four people the brains of this operation? Or were they contracted by somebody else to do the abduction? One thing that doesn't fit, and, and I just say it typically because we, we have to look at cultural behaviors when we're looking at crime. And typically, um, the Asian community will target the Asian community when it comes to these kinds of crimes. And this one it would appear by the descriptions, although quite vague, and the pictures that we saw, which were quite clear in some cases, it, it didn't strike me as these were these were Asian suspects, or at least the ones that you could see their face. Right. So we'll, so we'll have to wait and determine, you know, who Which they would are. Then talk, would, would then speak to the contracting out. Possibly. And right. and we're we're starting to see that in uh, the Toronto area an awful lot more, where there are murders being committed and, and other organized crimes being committed, where that particular crime group or cultural group is contracting yet another cultural group to commit the crimes for them. Yeah, and we know that uh, in recent weeks, more and more has been spoken about, about money laundering and, and kind of the subculture and underground black market of, uh, you know, the cultural crimes and what's going on. But it, it's interesting. I'd be curious to know what, what happens to this young man, the 22-year-old, uh, Mr. Liu. Does he get uh, brought in and, and kept in police um, protection? I mean, where does he go now? I know his family has flown in from China, but would they be protecting him? I'm going to guess that he's going to be under witness protection until they get this thing wrapped up. And, uh, you know, they're going to treat him accordingly. They're going to treat him as a, a victim of an abduction who's been through quite an ordeal. And uh, as he's able to do, depending on the condition that he's in today, he's he's going to be um, brought through some uh, very long interviews to, so that they can pull from him whatever details they can to hopefully identify the people. And and remember, his his body itself, the clothing he's wearing, everything is a crime scene. So, you know, we all talk about DNA today, and that's sometimes at the exclusion of all the amazing forensic evidence that we typically gather from a case like this. So they'll be looking at everything from fingerprints, DNA, fibers, transfer evidence from the suspects onto him. Phone conversations. And very long conversations, uh, whose names got dropped, what nicknames, you know, everything. He's going to have to try as best he can for the police to replay um, sort of minute by minute, hour by hour, everything that happened to him, everything that he saw and everything that he heard from the time he was abducted. So he's got a lot of work to do. And, uh, you know, my, my gut is that they're going to make an arrest on this one. Yeah, mine too. I just don't know who it's going to be. I, this, is a, I've, this is puzzling. I got to be honest. The headlines are, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a head scratcher. It's a head scratcher. <laughs> but when you look at staged crime scenes, this doesn't have the appearance of a staged crime scene. This has the appearance of somebody who went to uh, a, a lot of efforts to abduct yeah. somebody who's, you know, potentially wealthy or comes from a wealthy family, 
And if that's if that's the reality, of what comes out of it, then clearly the motive was money, mm-hmm. and something happened. You know, we don't even know. Maybe there was a ransom paid. Maybe maybe somehow uh, this guy he could have been robbed. His bank accounts could have been emptied. Uh, cars sold. Who knows what's happened in in this uh, few days that he's been missing? Wow. Yeah, we'll stay tuned. All right, Dave. Thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Anytime. That is Dave Perry joining us. We'll we'll just have to follow the dollar. And wait for the next headline, but we will find out what's going on with that story on Global News Radio.